Thanks, Sam. If you want to turn to Matthew 6, 24, that's where our passage is from this morning. Um, it's on page 1013 in most of the Pew Bibles. So yeah, before we read that, I, I actually have um, a small confession to make. Some of you have, who have dealt with me for things you may, have, you may know, but I'm a bit of a procrastinator. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty tough uh, life to lead as a procrastinator, I think. Um, do you have, you know, it, it's always stressful getting everything done so last minute. It's, it's really hard to deal with, but, you know, I, I make it work. Um, but one of the things that I remember, um, and it kind of like, in some ways it kind of makes me feel validated in being a procrastinator, is when I was in college, one of my professors is this sweet old man. He, he asked the students in his class, so, and this, uh, how many of you, how, how, like, how's the progress going on your papers? And granted, the paper was due in like, five, like four days, so that's like all the time in the world, right? So, and he, when he asked this question, silence, and he's just like, hmm, I understand Sometimes you just need the anxiety and the worry of that upcoming deadline. It's a great motivator. And it is. Worry, anxiety, it's a great motivator. It really helps us to be able to get stuff done. And I think for a lot of us, we can, ha- we can identify, I guess what I would call like good worry, good anxiety in our life. You know, maybe we think about our spouse and we think, you know, I wish they worried about, about money as much as I did. We probably would have like a way bigger house by now. Or, you know, we, we think of our, our kids or our friends who, yeah, are like me, who are like, eh, you know, I'll just do the work the day before, the day of. Um, and you wish, come on, why don't you just, you know, like get going. You know, if you have this worry, things might be a little better. And so if you, if you want to look at our passage today from, Saul, or from Matthew 6, 25-34. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying could add a single hour to their life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. That is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown in the fire. Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. 
But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The word of the Lord. If you didn't know, this, in our passage today, it comes from the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount, it's from Matthew 5 to Matthew 7. And it's basically like this really long sermon that Jesus gave. And he talks about a number of different topics that relate to his ministry, uh, the kingdom of God. And in the Sermon on the Mount, that's where we get some really like good stuff. We get the Beatitudes, and Jesus talks about prayer and gives us the Lord's Prayer. And he talks about the golden rule. All these things are in the Sermon on the Mount. A lot of really good stuff packed in these three chapters. So in the sermon, Jesus probably is speaking, he's speaking to some crowd. I usually envisioned a really big crowd, but we don't know what the size was. They didn't write that down. And it's just kind of, and imagine like a similar scene to like the Old Testament. Jesus proclaiming the truth and the law from the mountain. Jesus, at this point, just finished up talking about money. Jesus tells the people, you can't serve both God and money. And then Jesus tells the people, do not worry about your life. And I don't know about you, but I can imagine Jesus speaking in this very soothing voice, very comforting voice. Jesus tells the people, you know, God takes care of the birds. God takes care of the flowers. And you're more important than birds and flowers, so God takes care of you. You know, Jesus tells them, don't be like those silly pagans, and they go off worrying about things tomorrow. Don't be like them. God cares about you. Seek his kingdom and his righteousness. And the crowd, they probably, while we're listening to him, you're like, yeah, you know, God cares about us. Like, this is great. I don't have to worry. You know, Jesus is helping him put things in perspective. It's kind of like the first century version of like, I'm okay, you're okay. It's just, it's just great. Like, we're all okay, right? And Jewish people are like, probably think, yeah, you know, God does take care of us. We can see that throughout history. This is, this is really nice. We shouldn't worry about like, what you eat and what you wear. It's not that big of a deal, right? And after giving out this comforting word, Jesus adds, each day has enough troubles of its own. Where did that come from, Jesus? Like, and just like that, you can imagine the crowd being like, oh, yeah. Like, there are a lot of troubles. Like, I got to go home. I got to clean. My parents are coming over. Like, all these anxieties just come flooding back in all of a sudden. Each day has enough troubles of its own. And the crowd starts thinking, yeah, you know, like, I got to do these things. Maybe if God said not to worry, but maybe worry is okay sometimes. It's not always such a bad thing. You know, like, I thought God would provide for everything I need. Why then are all these troubles here today? Jesus, we're, it seems like we're getting mixed messages. Is God going to take care of our situation? Or are there a bunch of problems we have to deal with today? 
And they're probably thinking, Jesus, you know, I saw this beggar at the temple last week. Should he not be worried about what he's going to eat? I think he needs to worry about that. Doesn't it make sense to worry about basic necessities like food and clothing? Do you want me to just give up my job and follow you? If everyone who follows you, Jesus, doesn't have a job, how are your followers going to eat? Worry may not add any time to our lives, but not having food to eat surely is going to end our lives quicker. Don't worry about your life. God knows you need these things. Then why are people starving? Why are there still homeless people? Why is there violence against marginalized people around the world? Why is there all these storms and fires? The other day, I was watching um, this interesting piece on the health and wealth preachers, the prosperity gospel guys, you know, the Joel Olsteins, the, the Creflo Dollars. My name clearly is not a good name to go into ministry with. And, you know, these guys who, they, set, they, they sell you a, a different version of Christianity than maybe a lot of us believe. And in this clip, it showed these guys bragging about their fancy clothes and their cool cars. And one guy was even bragging that he has two jets and he paid with them in cash. But one of the interesting things is these health and wealth gospel preachers, they prey on the poor. You see, they give them this hope. Um, and they use verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. You see, these, these pastors, they guarantee these people, you know, like, hey, you need to show you're faithful to God. If you just send a little bit of money to me, that's like a seed money, they call it, and it's just going to grow and increase tenfold, and God is going to provide for you. You just need to have that faith. You just need to trust in God. Don't worry. It's just money. Kind of like the Christian version of like a lottery or a casino. You know, if you don't have a lot of money, and if you're worried about your money, and you're a fairly religious person, you think, hey, you know, they're right. I just need to put my faith more in God, and he will provide for me. Don't worry about the money you have left. Trust in God, right? And these poor people... That has sent these preachers money. They're just as worried as the rest of us. They just got less money to worry about, to work with, and it, the passage does kind of sound like it's saying that that Jesus is saying, "Hey, you got to trust in God, and He'll provide." And it's really tempting to like say, "Yeah, I think you know that's kind of what the Bible says. People who trust in God will prosper, right?" But we all know that's not how it works, you know. We, We've read the whole Bible. We know that the disciples did not get their mansion because they followed Jesus. Most of them were killed. And Christ continues to say, don't worry about your life. 
No one should worry about how much money they have. And that's easy for the people to say, easy for some of us to say when you got a steady job, when you got a good mortgage, solid health insurance, and the retirement plan is looking great, especially because the stocks are doing well. But how do you tell someone, don't worry about your life, don't worry about what you're going to eat, don't worry about your clothing, when they're living paycheck to paycheck? How do you tell them that? When someone is concerned about where they're going to get their next meal, isn't that a good reason to worry, Jesus? When someone's concerned about, hey, it's getting cold and I don't have the proper clothing, isn't it a good thing to worry about that? And even many of us who I would say we don't have good excuses to worry, we still have a lot of worry. We carry around a lot of anxiety. We're concerned about, you know, how people view us. We're concerned about the politics of the day. The, we're concerned about the poor people starving. And we're concerned about people in other parts of the country, parts of the world, dealing with all of these major environmental problems. And this worry, it's so suffocating. You get crippled with this anxiety and worry, and it's almost, you feel like you can't do anything about it. So what's even the point? What's even the point? You know, God, I can understand if Jesus said, rich people don't worry, or if Jesus said, don't worry about how you look. So why does Jesus have to say, don't worry about these, the most important things? Christ is pretty clear from the beginning of the passage. Do not worry about your life. Do not worry about what you will eat or drink or wear. And to us, it just seems very counterintuitive. You know, like the, I forget what they call the um, hierarchy of needs. At least like those are the ones that you should worry about. And when people turn, or where do people turn when they need something? And in Jesus' time, you know, maybe that will help us. Who did people have to turn to? And if you were a pagan, you didn't have a lot of places to turn. You know, because in the Roman Empire, it was, think of like a a, uh, triangle shape. That's what the society looked like. And at the top, there were a very few rich people, and there were a ton of poor people on the bottom. So if you didn't have a lot of money in Roman times, you guess you could go to the temple. But, you know, if you've ever read stories of Greek, Roman gods, they don't really care all that much about people. You know, Zeus didn't care about the average Greek of that day. And Serapis didn't care about, you know, random Timothy and his family who, you know, hey, they don't have food tonight. <laughs> who cares? Because the Greek and the Roman gods, they were always fighting with each other. They didn't have, they didn't have time to deal with the problems that the humans had. And people in Jesus' time, especially the pagans, they had a good reason to worry because... The gods weren't going to help them out, and the government wasn't going to help them out. And Jesus tells his followers, do not worry about your life. Do not worry about what you will eat or drink or wear. Do not worry about yourself so much. Take your eyes off yourselves for a minute. Quit being so concerned about you. Jesus says, 
God is a God who cares about his people personally. We've seen that from the Old Testament. We see that in creation. Look at, look at, the, look at the birds. Look at the flowers. This is a God who takes care of the flowers, the birds, these beautiful things in creation. And this is the God who also cares for us. A God who cares so much that he establishes his kingdom on earth. A kingdom for us to be a part of, for us to seek, for us to seek his righteousness. This God shows us his righteousness in Christ. And God releases us from that grip of worry and anxiety on his people and frees us in order to participate in his kingdom. God frees us to be a righteous people. It's hard to take a message like, don't worry about what you are going to eat or wear to poor people who don't, and homeless people, right? But it's interesting that it's Christ who's telling him that. The one who tells us not to worry is the one who has our names written on his hands. This is the one who would come and sacrifice himself for our sake. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. You see, we're being told, quit being so concerned about all your problems all the time. Because yes, food, clothing are important. But what is just as essential is seeking the kingdom, is seeking God's righteousness. And God, through Christ, is working out his kingdom. The reason we're able to not worry, the reason we can pursue God's righteousness is because we follow a God who actually establishes the kingdom, a God who actually cares about his people. God releases us from that stranglehold of worry to focus on other issues, other troubles that are happening, to be a part of his unfolding of his kingdom. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Last month on the radio, um, Pope Francis, he beatified Stanley Rother, Father Stanley Rother. And if you don't know what beatified means, it's basically the first step to becoming a saint. But I realize that you pr- there's probably something else you don't know. Is you probably don't know who Stanley Rother is. I didn't either until I heard it on the radio. But Stanley Rother... Father Stanley Rother was a Catholic priest from Oklahoma. He's only the second person to be beatified by the Pope from who was born in the United States. And Rother, he grew up on a farm in Oklahoma, and he was a good farmer. And it was kind of a shock to his parents when he told them, you know, I really want to be a priest someday. And his dad said, if... Why were you messing around on the farm if you wanted to be a priest? Why didn't you just like work on Latin and stuff? And this is something that Rother worried about 
while he was in seminary. He actually was pretty bad. He did pretty bad academically, so much so that he had actually got kicked out of his first seminary and barely made it through the second one. But Rother still felt called to be a priest, even though, you know, all this worry, like, yeah, maybe it's, maybe it's kind of a confirmation when he got kicked out of seminary. I should just be a farmer. And even after graduating, he didn't really, you know, he was just kind of like an assistant priest at a few Catholic churches in Oklahoma until in the late 60s, he eventually requested to be sent to Guatemala. And he felt that call and he put in the request, but he still felt this worry, you know, am I going to be able to do this? Am I going to be able to do the work of the kingdom? And while in Guatemala, he was able to put his farming skills to good use. He was able to learn the indigenous language of the people to preach to them in their language. He was able to help uh, educate them. They even set up a hospital while he was out there. But at this time, Guatemala was going through a civil war. And his actions started catching the attention of certain people. Because what Rother... He was indiscriminate on who he ministered to, so it didn't matter if you were an indigenous person, you were a Guatemalan soldier, or you were a soldier of the rebels. He would minister to you. He was a priest to all people. But the problem is, the Guatemalan army, if you help out the rebels, you're considered a traitor. And he was threatened by the government. And eventually his congregation kind of told him, he should, you should just leave. Like, this is getting too dangerous for you. And he agreed because he was worried about his life. His family was worried about him. And he's like, yeah, you know, I should leave. But while back in Oklahoma, the spirit made him restless. And he felt, it, you know, I'm, he was terrified to go back, but he felt this is what I'm supposed to do. And his brother told him, like, you're an idiot. What are you doing? They're going to kill you. And he just told his brother, the shepherd can't leave the sheep. And shortly after returning to Guatemala, he was assassinated in July of 1981. We have... I think we have a lot to worry about. We have a lot of good, solid reasons to be worried, to be anxious. Many of us, we don't have to be worried about being assassinated by somebody. We don't live in fear that we're going to be executed by a government. But people around the world still do fear that. I don't want to, margin, I don't want to say that's not a thing, because it is. And although we may not face troubles that big, we may, a lot of us don't face troubles of where are we going to get our next meal. We still have troubles in our lives every day. Whether we're concerned about how we're going to make rent this month or whether we're concerned about the people in our neighborhood eating healthy and not having access to healthy food, or maybe we're just worried about society in general. We're worried about the state of our government. We're worried about what our children are learning about body image. All these things. We're worried. But like Father Stanley, we know we are working for a higher purpose. We're working with a God who seeks us 
and knows us by name. Although all of our troubles aren't solved immediately, we know God still cares for us in the troubles we face every day. Don't worry about your individual life. Don't worry about your pride. Don't worry about how you present yourself. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. For many of us, we probably need to seek his righteousness first. Go out, feel more compelled to go out and help out our neighbor. You know, love our neighbor as ourselves. And many of us need to seek the kingdom. Get more closely invested in the kingdom of God, in our church, so we can find the help that we need, so we can offer the help to others. Worry is a stranglehold on us. It keeps us from acting. It keeps us from responding to Christ. But Christ frees us from this worry, so we can better serve him by loving our neighbors. Let's pray together. Father, 